The Western Hockey League season is in full swing and the Two Paper Guys podcast has you covered. Hear reaction on news and storylines in Medicine Hat, Prince Albert, and around the league. The podcast starts right here, right now. Here's your host, Nathan Ryder of the Prince Albert Daily Herald, and James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News. Welcome back, everyone. Episode number 12 of the Two Paper Guys podcast. Nathan and James with you as per usual. And some big news in the Western Hockey League today that we're just going to rip the band-aid off, go out near the top of the show here, is that Adidas executive Dan Neer has been named the incoming WHL commissioner to replace the retiring Rod Robison in February, I guess, is when he takes over full-time, but he's doing getting mentored by Ron for about six weeks starting in on January 1st. And we were both at the media availability for that today. But uh, so I guess let's talk a little bit about that change. Just kind of what was your thoughts on Dan near at the media availability today? Yeah, we uh, attended virtually by zoom because, you know, it was held in Calgary at the Scotiabank uh, saddle dome. And that was a, it's a bit of a drive for me, three and a half hours for Nathan. It's even further. Eight. So uh, yeah, it's a long drive, but uh, no, it's a great, that the league could have that via zoom and that we can answer, ask questions and stuff. But, uh, you know, I was kind of, as we talked about a little bit before hitting record here, Nathan, just impressed kind of, of, uh, you know, he, he said all the right things and he didn't appear cocky or overconfident, anything like that. No, he was happy with the role and he already seems to have a bit of a game plan going into this role of what he wants to do. He did say a lot in, in, answer to a lot of questions was we're going to see kind of how the job works and then I'll for put in plans. But the message I took away from it all was that he wants to grow this league. You know, he's not coming from a job of uh, a general manager or like a ho- traditional hockey role, like on the hockey op side, he's a marketing guy with Adidas. So I think they got the guy that they want to help grow the league. And, you know, that's not the worst thing right now is to get a guy in here that can, attract uh, a bunch of different generations into hockey and the junior hockey ranks. And, and the, and the other thing too, is that uh, like when it was there, there was no question. I think that he was like during that was asked today that he was surprised by it at all. Even if they were a little bit out there, like you started off by asking about the mem- Memorial cup in 2026. That one and... was a little off. Yeah. That one hand up wasn't the greatest way to set the tone for a press conference, but you know what? I, uh, this is a developmental league, and even the journalists are developing. And, and yeah, like he comes from that Adidas background. Obviously, going to move relocate from Portland, Oregon, to Calgary, to where the league offices are located for the Western Hockey League. And and it was obviously sounds like they had quite quite the process for it. Yeah, I believe if I can remember correctly, they had over a hundred names originally. Uh, this was the Board of Governors and the Selection Committee that whittled it down to another couple or another handful, and they did a bunch of Zoom meetings, and they got to uh, Dan Near. And um, I'd love to know if in those meetings they were like, well, we're nearly there. Let's talk to Dan, you know. Yeah, interesting. What con- like, cause they, they're, Some of those conversations would probably be like, what ideas do you have for the league moving forward the next Yes. Yeah. Next couple of years. And, you know, he seemed to have a lot of answers and he'd mentioned uh, a little bit about attracting that Gen Z, that younger crowd. And 
he was a big part of Adidas of uh, implementing the reverse retro jerseys in the NHL. And he said, he kind of mentioned that that was something he wanted to do here almost in the sense of bringing back uh, heritage jerseys from each team, changing them up a bit, or just implementing like a third jersey kind of thing. I don't think he guaranteed that, but uh, that he under- he understood why that created attention at the National Hockey League level. And I think I was encouraged by that, thinking that maybe some teams like the Medicine Hat Tigers have two jerseys. Maybe they're going to get a third sometime soon here under the new uh, the new boss and Dan Near, but we'll see. And yeah, like I like we kind of mentioned here, he he answered all the right questions, and his work starts January first, and we'll see what uh, he can do when he takes the full reins in November or February. Pardon me. Yeah, and it's gonna be. I was just going to say good luck making a heritage jersey with the Prince Albert Raiders since you can't use the original logo anymore. Yeah. Uh well, they can they can figure it out. They can make something different, something a little more inclusive. Yeah. So I yeah. believe like Prince the Raiders <laughs> still hold the copyright for that logo, so I believe they are allowed to sell merchandise with that logo, but I don't think they can display that in the team store. You have to like ask for it. Yeah, which is appropriate. Yeah. Um Get away from that. Uh, I can't think of anything else that really stood out to me about that press conference. His family was going to move here at the end of the uh, their school year in Portland, which was kind of nice to hear that you know they consider that that they're not uprooting their kids in the middle of the school year. Um, it sounds like, and this was a question Nathan asked, so props to Nathan that uh, he does want to get around to the WHL ranks. He's going to do that this season. It sounds like, obviously, a lot of ranks. That's what Ron Robinson's doing right now. Uh, he's doing a retirement tour. He's been in Medicine Hats already. I don't know when he's going to PA, Nathan. I don't know if you know that yet, but uh, I, I yeah, I reached out. I actually reached out to the commissioner's office, and I I didn't speak to Ron, but I spoke to an assistant of his, and they had a date, and then that date ended up getting moved around. So, but they'll let the the Raiders will know when he's coming, and then I'll I'll obviously hear from from the Raiders. So there you go. And I'm sure they'll do the exact same with the uh, the Dan Near tour. Let everyone know so everyone can talk to him. And, you know, if you're a reader of the Prince Albert Daily Herald or the Medicine Hat News, great stories to keep an eye out for. Coming off the press conference today, as of today being Thursday, and the one-on-one interviews I'm sure he'll do uh, whenever he does that tour. And, and what was your kind of initial impressions with uh, – you, you've talked to Robison, but just kind of what was your – Impressions on talking to to Ron there. Obviously, I haven't got a chance to meet him in person, but I've talked to him over Zoom on a couple occasions. Being that being press conferences, but uh, just what were you, yeah. what was your impression of of uh, the outgoing commissioner? Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Um, he's put in a lot of work with this league. He's been a commissioner for twenty four years, and before that, it was I believe it was twenty years with Hockey Canada. So forty four years of his life dedicated to hockey and uh, he's made a lot of good moves. I think with the league, he was a big part in implementing the education. Well, actually he wasn't sorry. Um, big part of furthering the educational program that they have giving scholarships to players uh, for years of service in the West hockey league. And that's something he takes a lot of pride in just talking to him. And I know the big thing for his retirement was to just take a step back and slow down a little bit. You know, he's been traveling a lot to, uh, for his job and now he's looking forward to that family time and he's going to get that very soon but now he gets to teach uh, Dan near the ropes and just show him the way of the, the commissioner and 
you know, find the secret hiding spots in the WHL league offices and how to get away from people. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, no, I was, it was a great chat. I had with Ron Robinson. That was, it was actually November 11th ahead of the Tigers game uh, win over the Wenatchee wild, but great guy as far as I know, and wish him all the best in his retirement as it goes on. And I think it's the, I, I knew that we were expecting this announcement at some point, but I'm really kind of happy with the timeline now because that gives, you know, Dan the opportunity to come in and work with, with, with the outgoing commissioner for six weeks before it's kind of his gig. Right. And I, that's speaking of which he takes over the 15th of February as the commissioner. And that's going to be the week. And, and like, during that time, I'll probably be in Southern Alberta. So there you go. There you go. And um, with that, that's a month after the trade deadline. There was something I don't want to. I don't want to begrudge the outgoing commissioner. He told me that they were going to have a new person uh, by January or mid January. They did it a little earlier. So Ron, I'm not going to hold a grudge, but you know, you could have uh, could have done me a solid, give me the accurate date, whatever. You know, all good. Maybe things changed. Who's to say? <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. But um, no, it's it's the it's good. Like you mentioned, they got this nailed down early, and now both can work together and make it a smooth transition. And obviously, before that, Dan worked with ten year ten years with the National Hockey League, so I think he's he's got that relationship with the NHL, which is so 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 important in the in the WHL being a developmental league. For for the greatest hockey league in the world, um, well, it's it yeah, it's the top hockey league in the world. So yeah, and and that's that's super important, and it'll be interesting to see because because who, who knows maybe when Ron is in Prince Albert, Dan will be with him. Who knows? Yeah, maybe this, they'll do it together. I still haven't heard that that. Uh, information yet but uh that's kind of that just but uh that's it for today's news yeah no that's that's it for today's news and now we look forward this will come out i think nathan you said uh, friday morning so that's december 1st welcome to december you can it's crazy and it's winter time now so uh what that means is the tigers and prince albert raiders are on the edge of their first matchup this season they face off Saturday here at Co-op Place. Nathan, you're going to watch that one online, but it's Teddy Bear Toss here for Medicine Hat, so expect oh, a nice 25-30 minute delay at some point. Oh, don't, don't, don't bring up the words. I'm, I'm gonna, don't bring up the words Teddy Toss with me because I have to deal with four of them this year. So obviously, there's the Medicine Hat one. Prince Calgary. Albert has theirs. Okay, Calgary. I was going to get you to name Calgary the other two. On, Calgary on Sun, on Sunday. December third, that would that would be, and then in Saskatoon on the twenty on the on December the twenty seventh. When's PAs? Ours is, I believe, I want to say it's the ninth against the Red Deer Rebels at okay. home. Man, I didn't, I didn't realize it was a three and three weekend for the Raiders. Man, that's and two of them are teddy bear games. That's tough. And Calgary's is like, it's world famous. So. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but just some time. Max, Max Hildebrand or Chase Coward are going to play the games of their life. 
well, I mean, the Bears still fly, but that's at the end of the game. Um, yeah, and I don't yeah. have to. I don't have to deal with the delay because I remember. I, I this happened last year in Spokane, but the Lethbridge Hurricanes were the Teddy Bear Toss team for the Spokane Chiefs, and a player on the Chiefs hit the post, and all the Bears came down. That's right, because they thought they scored. Yeah. They thought they scored. All the Bears came down. I think that was Harrison Menegan's first career shutout was that night. Ooh, what, a, what yeah. a guy. Of all nights to pick, you pick <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Rarita. Well, the Tigers had an interesting one last year in the sense that they almost didn't get to throw the Bears. The Tigers scored with five minutes left in the game, or 5.50 left in the game. If they had waited another 50 seconds – the announcer would have come on and said, you have to hold on to the Bears until the end of the game, no matter what. Because it's that late in the period of the final period, and you just can't have a delay then kind of thing. You want to be able to end the game. So uh, thankfully, that never happened, and they got to throw the Bears normally. But it, it was a little more lackluster that it came in the last five minutes. Tigers lost 2-1 to one that game. And trying to talk to guys on the ice, they were like, we still got to try to tie this game up. And that was their focus more so than the Teddy Bear game. But uh, I'm sure with the amount of firepower Tigers have now, knock on wood, they'll score a little earlier. It's good. And, I, knocked, I knocked on wood, so I didn't jinx it. I want to make that clear. And and that's going to be the match. I think the matchups is, is going to be that top six of Medicine Hat against Prince Albert's blue line. It's going to be... When you, during the format games that they play this year, I think that's going to be the whoever wins ends up winning that matchup. Is yeah, the, and I would even stretch to the top nine. The Tigers right now can roll three lines as a top line, so that's kind of how that's Willie Desjardins hockey, and that's what they're able to do with this group. So I do agree that it it will be the Tigers' top nine forwards against uh, the Raiders' defensemen, and be able to see who uh, who comes out on top. And the, and the Raiders have confidence in all three of their um, their defense their defensive pairings, so that's that Goldsmith and Christensen have been playing. Justice Christensen have been playing well together as of recently. That's been their top starting pair for the last um, couple of cu- couple of games last weekend, and then you got Eric Johnston. He's been He's been playing alongside of Easton Kovacs. And then it's been um, Jacob Hoffroggy with normally either like Tyrone Sobri or Dugan Peterson. So it'll be interesting to see how Truett matches matches up in Medicine Hat, but he doesn't get the luxury, I guess, getting last getting first change. Getting first change with uh Willie will get a chance that that chess match between Two veteran guys in Willie yeah. and Willie and Jeff is going to be is going to going to be fun to watch, especially if these two teams play some more meaningful games down down the stretch here. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Medicine Hats in second place in the East right now, Prince Albert's in fifth. Depending on the way things goes, who knows? Is it a first round playoff matchup? You never know. Yeah, wouldn't be surprise or it. Yeah, wouldn't be a surprise or a second round maybe. Who knows? But. Um, there's a lot of good hockey coming up between the Raiders and Tigers. And before we get away from that game, last year I was one for two in predicting Teddy Bear toss goal scores. 
I got the Tigers one wrong. I don't remember who I predicted. Um, I got the Red Deer one right, completely random out of Twitter. Um, guessed it was Dwayne Gene Jr., and he'd scored it. and um, Felt pretty good that night. Bought a lottery ticket, didn't win on that one. So, you know, some luck. But uh, for the podcast fans from Medicine Hat that listen, I've been thinking about it all day, trying to figure out who I was going to guess. Hmm. I'm going to go Tyler McKenzie, the captain. He had a hot month of November. You know, Tigers are coming off a loss uh, Wednesday at Swift Current, so they're a little kicked off, whatever. And They're going to play Friday night against Calgary, but I think it's going to be the captain that sends the uh, – that awakes the Bears from their hibernation in the stands. Uh, so that, that's t- – like, it's always tough. I'm, I'm pull up the Medicine Hat roster to see who would – Who's gonna? Who, There's a lot names. of options. There's a lot of options. All for a for a proper guess. I'll say Oasis Wiseblatt. He scored it last year. I'll say I'll say it'll be Oasis Wiseblatt and okay. The sicko, the sicko's guess. I want it to be like Rhett Parsons. Parsons is on a two-game goal streak, so maybe gets another one against Calgary, and then. Scores there. The really cool option would be Matt Peranich, who is still searching for his first WHL goal. Um, so is Vasil Spielka, actually, the Czechian forward. I don't know if he'll be in the lineup or not. He's coming off of an injury. But um, if either of those two scores, it would be a pretty memorable goal. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned in. It's it's that time of year where uh, people get ready for Christmas and teddy bears fly at hockey games. Yeah, and I have to deal with four of them this year. You get to deal with four of them. Positive. Yeah. Positive. Yep, um, but... The league news kind of the last week. Uh, sorry, Nathan, just to take over. But uh, the big trade, the big news that's rocked the world because it involves the Toronto Maple Leaf prospect was the Saskatoon Blades, you know, further their group and load up kind of for the playoffs here by acquiring Fraser Minton. I would say the biggest trade chip of the season from the Kamloops Blazers. And it was a new news that took over the league and took over social media. And, you know, Nathan, uh, just why don't you give us the return in the deal and kind of your first thoughts. So the Blazers receive Kamloops product and 18 year old forward, Jordan Keller, Saskatoon's first round draft selections in 20, 2024. So this upcoming draft, and in 2025, and and then um, the Blazers will also be receiving a fourth round pick from Saskatoon in the upcoming in the upcoming draft. And he it looks like he's been slotting in great playing. Uh, he hasn't been playing on the top line with Igor Sidorov, but he's been playing on on the second line for the most along with Brandon Lazowski and Vaughn Waterud is kind of where. The, the blades have him have had him playing as, as of recent and i think he's done well he's looks like he's fit i haven't got a chance to watch the blades since they're on that uh us trip and i'm not sure i want to stay up till nine o'clock every night <laughs> but, uh, just for the game to start yeah just just for, just for the game to start but uh he's yeah been, he's been fitting go ahead He's been fitting in there well so far, but it's going to be interesting to see because obviously he's going to miss a, a portion of time here going away to the World Juniors. I would imagine so. Yeah, he 
more than likely. I mean, it helps when you go to uh, NHL training camp and make a regular season roster. There's a good chance you're good enough to make the World Juniors, and he'll probably be a big spot for Canada. But um, he's played a lot along, as you mentioned, Brandon Lazowski, a former Maple Leaf uh, prospect. So I think that's kind of what they're playing off of is a bit of that chemistry. But, yeah, it's just that another weapon that uh, Saskatoon kind of needed or desired to go up against Moose Jaw in the East and in the West, Portland, Prince George, whoever you want to pick. But it's the biggest thing for me, because he he's looked good in the games, that the little bit that I've seen on highlights and stuff, is uh, what's the response now from Saskatoon acquiring Fraser Minton? And I'm looking right at Moose Jaw, and what are they going to do? And I'm also looking at Wenatchee and seeing who they're going to move, if they're going to move their big forwards up front, and Connor Geeky and Matthew Savoy. Maybe even Zach Benson, although I'm sure, I don't think he's coming back to this league anytime soon. So yeah, it leaves more questions than answers, kind of for me. And I think it kind of kicks off this push towards the trade deadline on January 10th, I believe. Yeah, and just talking to talking about the Pixar situation, I'm looking at the spreadsheet, which is done by Alan Alan Caldwell at Small at Large on Twitter. Recommend following his account if if you don't already because he does an amazing job with his dub draft pick spreadsheet and according to the spreadsheet like Saskatoon's in an okay situation this year because they still have a pair of second round picks in the 2024 draft one of them being from the Medicine Hat Tigers where from the trade at the last draft where Medicine Hat traded back up into the first round yep get, was it Marcus, Marcus Ruck was it Marcus? Marcus? Okay. I wasn't sure which one went first. But... <laughs> Liam went nine and Marcus went 21st. There, there, there you go. I was just trying to make sure I was, uh, had, had the right Ruck twins. So they pick, they have two second round and then the other second round pick they have is from the Seattle Thunderbirds in the, in the Brad Lambert deal. But, but you look ahead to 2025. They don't have any picks until the fourth round. Hmm. And like they have two no ones because obviously their first belongs to um Kamloops. Kamloops. No no twos, no threes. They have two fours with one of the fours being uh the second pick they got back from the Ethan Chadwick to Everett Everett trade in the offseason. But as a Blades fan, if I was a Blades fan, if I was a Blades fan, which I'm not, I'm not a Blades fan. Sorry to disappoint you, Saskatoon. But uh, I have to look through, look at things through a neutral light here. But Blades fans, I think, should be pretty excited by this move because I don't think this is, this is, this is a risk here by Priestner, by Colin Priestner. This is not a typical move by them, and I feel like they're making this move. Because they look at their look at their roster right now and realize this this is with the guys that we have here right now. This is our last kick at the can with with the guys we have here right now. Is how I I view it anyway. Yeah, and I was just um, I would have uh, chimed in sooner, but I was just counting. They have eight guys now that are in their nineteen season. That includes Fraser Minton. So 
yeah, they're either going. This is obviously their year. You know, this is the nineteen twenty league. Um, that's who dominates. So it's this is their year. They're going to go into that, and they will be able to recoup some assets next year by trading some of those nineteen year olds because they'll have to. They'll have to get down to three. Um, but yeah, no. This, as you mentioned, this is their year. There's no juggernaut in the East. Saskatoon's up there. I wouldn't call them a juggernaut, but yeah, no. This is watch out for Saskatoon. And and they made some moves for guys that will help them this year, but they could also get, potentially get them back as twenty year olds next year, like a great great incitement from the Calgary Hitman. Yep, because he'll he'll play for you on your blue line this year, and then you could possibly see him back as a, as a twenty year old next year. And they added Rhett Melnick from uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. There, I know he's been playing on their fourth line for the most part, based just based off of the lineup sheet they're posting. But th- this is kind of I look, you look, I look at Saskatoon's top line, which is Easton Armstrong, Trevor Wong, and Igor Sidorov. And you know for sure you're not getting two. Two of those guys aren't coming back next year. Wong and Armstrong are done after this year, no matter what. And I'd be very surprised if we see Igor Sidorov in the Western Hockey League next year, considering he was a Anaheim Ducks draft pick. So I think yeah, he, was... he stayed with them late too, didn't he? He was like he was a late returner, I believe. I I believe so. So that's your that's your top line. That's going to be gone. Yeah, no, it's hey, it's a good move. Uh, it's you so, got to recognize your windows, right? That's a, especially in junior hockey when you can't sign guys for seven, eight years. You have them for at max four or five, and mostly three for your really good players. So they were they've recognized their window, and they've got that thing fully open, and they're letting that breeze in, and they're going to try to capitalize on that. And I, I don't. There, there were definitely other teams that I think were interested, but Saskatoon, and that's why Saskatoon had to pay the price that they did. And I, and I, I know you look at that trade, you look at this trade compared to some of the trades last year, and you go, "That's it, that's all." But the Memorial Cup's not in the league this year. Trade prices aren't going to be as bonkers as we've seen as we've seen in years past. And I think this is a good job by Kamloops to re like they'll they'll get a first round pick back in this draft. Is it going to be as high as their own that they traded to Everett? No, but even those guys you pick in the in the teens can still turn out to be very good players. Like perfect example, I believe Ryder Ritchie wasn't selected until 14th overall in the 2021 draft and look at the player that he's turned into. You can still get very good players in the latter half of the first round. Yeah. And it's, it is kind of funny looking at it. And I was talking to um, another reporter in the league here and just, it is funny that like at one time, so many years ago, GMs just decided that a player like Fraser Minton is worth an 18 year old, two first rounders and this, and it's just, and it just sticks, and <laughs> yeah, it's that's just what the league value is now. And as you mentioned, last year was banana lands with values, but 
the WHL is hosting a Mem Cup not uh, too far away. So we'll see what the trade prices are worth uh, going forward and even going forward this season as teams make that push here now with a benchmark with the Minton deal. Yeah, and 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 like real realistically, also you look at a guy. Like, I don't think Brandon Lazowski, like he's a Leafs prospect, but I don't know if he's if the Leafs if he signed his ELC with the Leafs. So, I mentioned the top line for Saskatoon. For for Saskatoon will be most likely gone next year, but you can also maybe say five of their top six forwards right now might not be back on their team next year. Yeah. Because Lazowski could be back as a 20, could be if if he signed with the Leafs playing in the American League. And then obviously Minton is signed with the Leafs. And I would I would say he would get another look at breaking camp with the, with the big club and possibly, possibly sticking there or at least playing a lot of minutes in the American League. With, with yes. Tr- Yep, still want their guy, yeah. Um, I think that's it for league news. I know there was something, Nathan, that outside of the WHL you wanted to talk about, and I'll tee you up for that right now. So it was an article done. I'm just pull, I'm just pulling it up, so I'm saying I'm giving credit by Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun, because for those of you who don't know, the Toronto Blue Jays are not bringing back declined to renew the contract of Ben Wagner, who's the play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and all the other Sportsnet radio stations across Canada for Toronto Blue Jays broadcast. They they, they declined to renew his contract. And in this article, Jerry Howarth, who's the former longtime voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, I believe he retired after the 28 season I want to say um, ba- basically goes off saying they never gave Ben like Ben was doing a lot of games solo which is very hard to do very very especially in baseball with how much slower baseball can be than the game of hockey like you almost need a color guy for some some nights right and they never gave one to Ben Wagner, and if you if you end up going going to read read this piece, ha- Jerry Howarth uses the word the word embarrassing to describe the situation. And if that's not powerful, I I I don't know what is. I don't don't know what is. Yeah, it's it's not a good look for, and it is it was Rogers Communications, right? Not the Blue Jays that. Uh didn't renew his contract. I mean, Rogers owns the Blue Jays, but it's just a tough look on a organization and a company that is worth billions of dollars. And, you know, they, they would have him remote for a lot of games. So he's watching games on TV like you and I, and he has to call the games that way. It just wasn't fair. And you know what? Ben Wagner's going to go broadcast somewhere else. He's going to look really good doing it. He's going to sound even better. Yeah. Now the Blue Jays and, Rogers Communications have to find somebody else to do play-by-play on the radio and willing to do it under those same circumstances. And, and that's the other th- Thank you for pointing that out because it was the one thing I forgot to bring up in that whole tangent. Is And and I think, are they going to do like a, simul- 
Like, I know that this was done. It's It's been done before where whoever's doing play-by-play for TV, for, for the TV broadcast is also the voice on the radio. But I can only I can only think of one other instance that I I know for sure off the top of my head when it was done. Yeah, I don't think they've said yet what they're gonna do if they're gonna do the simulcast, which I know isn't well liked in the industry. So I'm not exactly sure. I don't think they know yet either. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that is an option for them. Not a good one, but it is an option. The the only. Like I know they did it. I think they did it a couple games with Puck and Dan last year, but uh, Buck Martinez and Dan Shulman last year. But the only other name that I've heard that heard it been done with and been successful is Vince Gully, because I know he he was doing the games on TV, but if and obviously there's other talented broadcasters that do that did Dodger games, but they're not at, at the time. But they're they're not Vin. Vin no, was, and Vin, Vin did it for radio first, right? Like he he was a radio guy first, so he knows. And that's the big problem with doing a simulcast is that they're describing it for TV. So you're seeing it as well. They don't have to describe every minute detail to give you the picture. You're looking at it. Whereas on radio, which was what Ben Wagner had to do, is you're trying to show give people the image in their minds through your words. And it's just it's that extra level of depth in describing the play or what kind of what happened. And it's just, it's going to miss on the radio. And I know I don't have cable. So that's how I last year consumed a lot of Blue Jays games was at home. I would get play Sportsnet 590 on my Google home and listen to it that way. And it felt like I was right there. And I mean, we'll see how it go. Look, it is going forward, but it's just disappointing. Honestly, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, this decision by Rogers. I'm upset with the decision, but by no means does it like Dan Shulman, Buck Martinez, very both very talented broadcasters and a joy to listen to. But I just think you need to have a dedicated radio guy and give give them the proper support that they deserve. Because arguably you could you could argue that a lot of broadcasters in in the Western Hockey League are treated were are treated better than Ben Wagner was was treated as the as the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know, but I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's a diff- difficult comparison, but I know what you're getting at is that he wasn't yeah. really given a fair chance. Yeah, but that's that's that tangent, and uh, obviously, got. Dub, dub guys have had to. I know for a fact that some, some WHL broadcasters had to do some broadcasts over a monitor at, during uh, during COVID there, and I think even at the broad, even at Rogers Place in Edmonton, some guys might prefer to do it there with how far away you are. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's. That's that. This has been episode number 12 of the Two Paper Guys podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.